and well met everyone. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a podcast by a nerd for other nerds that love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather and I'll be your host as we journey into the wondrous land of information. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. So we're gearing up for the holidays, so I wanted to touch on a subject that I know a lot of people have questions about, or at least in my field of work, a lot of people have questions about it. I actually just had one of my husband's relatives ask me about this the other night at a dinner, but that's what to do about stressed pets. And especially during the holidays when you've got people coming and going, when you've got things changing around the house that they're not necessarily used to yet, especially for new pets and things like that, there are some things you can do to try to alleviate some of the stress. And so I'm going to go over those with you. Now, obviously, for anyone who's listened to my show for a while, you know that my primary experience is going to be in the cat stress-related area. However, I do have some experience with my own dogs and stress issues. So mostly I'm going to be covering cats and dogs. For most other pets, I'll cover those sort of as one big group. Um... And I honestly don't know a lot about birds, so I'm going to touch on them briefly, but don't expect a super in-depth one there. It's mostly going to be cats and dogs for this episode. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and get started. We're going to get into all of the other pets first. So by all of the other pets, I'm talking about pocket pets like hamsters, rabbits, snakes, and other reptiles, anything like that. So during the holidays, especially if you are hosting anything, you might have a lot of people coming over to the house. The number one thing for most of those animals is just don't let tons and tons of random people handle them. Now, there may be some exceptions. If you happen to have an exceptionally well-socialized iguana, for example, like I've seen people walking around because I'm in California, so it's warm enough for this. But I've seen what people walking around with, you know, iguanas on their shoulders and they're just out and about. They love people. They like change. If you happen to have an animal that's like that, where you take it everywhere, it's really used to lots and lots and lots of other people, then you may not have to worry about this as much. But there are still some things I would recommend caution with. Number one is you're having people over to your house and unless they're really close relatives or you know them real well, you aren't going to necessarily know how much animal handling experience they have. So, for example, I have tons and tons of experience handling cats and dealing with all the ins and outs of how to position them and hold them still so that you can do different things to them, whether it be a nail trim or an injection. However, my husband has very little experience with that other than his own cats that he's had over the years and now helping me occasionally do stuff to our pets. So those are two very different spectrums, but we're a couple. So some people might assume that because they know me and I know so much about cats that he knows how to hold them as well. And that's not always the case. So especially if you're inviting couples over or if you're having families over and you've never met the children or anything like that, getting a feel for how much animal experience they have before letting them mess with your pets is always the best plan. Obviously, most of you probably already realize that, but it's I'm just reiterating for you, basically. Specifically with 
reptiles of any kind. Obviously, one concern is with children especially, making sure that they're sanitizing their hands really well after handling your pet. We don't want to risk any bacterial issues of any kind, so making sure that the kids wash their hands really well afterwards is a big deal. Hopefully, the parents are helping you do that, but as the pet owner, you should also keep an eye on them when they're with your pet. Another thing, again, it's child-related, and I'm not trying to say that children are the only ones that would do this, just that because they don't always understand how strong they are, especially if they're a lot younger, they might be more prone to doing this, which is grabbing the pet too roughly. Obviously, depending on the pet, it's not going to matter as much, but a good example of what I mean is rabbits. Rabbits in particular can be big stress cases in general, but on top of that, there's the fact that if they're picked up wrong or if they kick off a certain way and stretch their legs out too far and hyperextend, they can actually break their own backs, which is something that not every rabbit owner is aware of, so I do think that's an important one to mention specifically. So what this means basically is because their kicking muscles are so strong, sometimes what can happen is that the rabbits will kick so incredibly hard against whatever's stressing them or freaking them out that they end up actually extending their back too much and they can break their back. For obvious reasons, this is a big concern and especially when dealing with either children who don't necessarily understand how to pick up the rabbit correctly or even adults who've just never handled a rabbit before, you have to worry about whether or not the rabbit might do this. Now, it's not super common, so I don't want you to think that just because someone picks up your rabbit, it's going to happen automatically. But if they're stressed enough, or if they're being handled in a strange way, it is possible. So keeping an eye on that is definitely something important. Also um, related to, again, animals that I don't know as much about, birds. Birds can become just as stressed as any other animal, and honestly, depending on the type of bird and the personality of the bird, I've known some that were extreme stress cases to the fat point where they are like pulling out their own feathers. They're so stressed by everything. There are some other issues going on there usually in those situations, but it is something where trying to make things as calm and quiet for your bird or honestly any other pet during the holidays is always ideal. So bird specific, what I would recommend given my limited bird experience, but what I do know that works for quite a few owners is keeping them covered because if they don't have to see all the new stimuli, it's usually a lot less stressful and keeping them in a room by themselves somewhere towards the back of the house, maybe, or just wherever it's not going to be as loud and crazy. Now, again, everyone's pet is different. So if your particular bird is super social and loves people and wants to crawl all over everybody and say hi to everybody and talk to everybody, then completely disregard what I'm telling you because obviously your pet loves having people over and it's not going to stress out. But specifically for someone who has a bird that is a stress case, if you aren't already planning to do these things, I would recommend it. Along the same lines for all of these pets, I recommend caution if you're going to travel with them. And the caution is actually for a couple of different reasons. The first one is obviously stress-related because if they're traveling to a place they've never been before, stress is a possibility. 
I do think that, again, depending on the personality of the animal, it's less likely in some of them. For example, hamsters are probably not going to care that much because you're just moving their cage from one spot to another, but their actual environment stays the same. Whereas a bird might become very stressed because their cage is open to the air, so everything's changing. The smells, the sights, the sounds, the light levels, how warm or cold it is where they are, just everything is changing except what's directly inside their cage. So all of that additional stimuli could become very nerve-wracking for them. Unless, again, they're super social. Another animal that doesn't always handle those things well is, honestly, a lot of reptiles. Anyone who's kept reptiles knows that you have to have very specific heat settings, moisture settings, you know, there's heat rocks and heat logs and lamps and temperature thermometers that you can put inside the cage that measure it at different levels. And there's different humidity levels depending on the kind of reptile or amphibian. There's a lot of factors, especially depending on the kind of reptile or amphibian. Some of them are more sensitive than others to those changes. So if you happen to have one of those ones that's more sensitive, I recommend extreme caution before taking it with you and or moving the whole setup to another location. My own personal experience with that, I had quite a few reptiles growing up, some frogs and green anoles and an iguana and a bunch of other things. But one of the things that we had happen is our iguana got very sick at one point because we had moved houses a couple of times. We had a house fire, so we had to move. There wasn't a choice. But The iguana moved with us, and we had it set up at the rental home in a very sunny room. It was very warm. Everything was very temperature controlled. And when we moved back into our real house after the rental, it wasn't as updated as the rental. The insulation wasn't quite as good. And my father also ended up purchasing a new cage for the iguana that wasn't ideal So what ended up happening is the iguana got sick because of temperature changes and light changes and all of these different things. And unfortunately, we weren't able to pull her back from it. So there are potential side effects to moving a reptile in particular around too much if they have very specific temperature and moisture settings and all of that. Some of them are not as sensitive as others, so you might be able to get away with it, but I would recommend looking into it and how sensitive they are to those changes before taking them anywhere. And honestly, that goes for every pet, regardless of what kind of pet it is. I recommend looking into it. Another thing, if you're traveling with a pet, and this actually goes also for cats and dogs, as well as any kind of pocket pet, is depending on state regulations, you might have to go through very specific protocols to get your pet into the state you're visiting. So if you're traveling, for example, from California to Hawaii, Hawaii doesn't have rabies. They don't have the rabies virus anywhere on the island, and they have gone to extreme measures to make sure that it maintains that status because they don't want to risk the rabies getting out and transferring to all the wildlife that's there. So there's a lot of things you have to do to take a cat from California to Hawaii. There's tons and tons of steps. You have to start a couple months ahead of time because you have to go through all of this special testing to prove that your pet doesn't have rabies. It's a lot of work and a lot of money, and it has to be followed very strictly. Otherwise, your pet could end up in quarantine when you get to Hawaii, and it could be stuck in quarantine for up to six months. 
So you really, really want to look into that if you're traveling across state lines with any kind of pet that could potentially get out. Something like a hamster, as far as I know, there's not any strict regulations. It specifically tends to be things more like dogs, cats, and wildlife that's not necessarily always contained in a cage. So like, I don't, I'd have to look into it. I'm not 100% sure about rabbits or birds, things like that. But there are potential regulations if you're traveling with your pet that you have to follow in order to travel with them. And even if you don't have to follow any special protocol between the two states, a lot of airlines do require that if you're traveling with a pet, you have to have a health certification. And that health certification has to be issued within 10 days of when you fly. What that means is that if you're leaving California and going to, say, New York State, if you're going to New York from California, 10 days before you leave, somewhere within there, you have to get a veterinarian to sign off on a health certificate saying that your pet is healthy. And then your veterinarian has to send a copy to the California State veterinarian. They also have to send one to the veterinarian for the state you're going to. So in my example that I'm using, that would be New York. And they have to send you with at least one copy because the airline might take it from you. So you need to have one copy for the airline and a copy for yourself. And if you are staying long enough at your location that that 10-day health certificate won't work to return with, you're going to have to get another one in the second state. It's a lot of work, and it depends on the airline how strict their regulations are, but you have to do it, or sometimes they won't let you travel with your pet, or again, your pet will be quarantined. And these are all things that can be very stressful for your animal. So definitely recommend looking into all of that as soon as you can, if especially if you're traveling between states or to another country or anything like that. There's a lot of regulations and getting them done ahead of time as much as possible and making sure that your pet is ready to go will make things less stressful for you and for them at the end because instead of having to do six or seven vet visits to get everything done all right before you leave, you can space it out over the course of a few months and it's not nearly as stressful. So with that, we're going to get into our mid-roll, and then when I come back from that, I'm going to tell you some tips specifically for cats and dogs. Hi, everyone. So I want to start off by talking about World Anvil. I talk about it a lot, so you've probably heard this a lot, but World Anvil is amazing. They're the most robust world builder that Nerdsmith has found. Logan, the DM for Countless Heroes, as well as Shenanigans, and one of the other directors like myself, looked into tons and tons and tons of different world builders, and of all of the ones he could find, World Anvil was by far the best. It was the most thorough, it was the easiest to use, and it was the most complete. It had everything we needed. Map building, you can link characters with relationships, you can create races. It works like a wiki, so you can click links from different names and it takes you to that article as well. It's really fantastic and if you're doing any kind of world building, whether it be for writing a book or for creating a world for your D&D campaign, I recommend you check it out. They have multiple different tiers of subscription that you can do ranging in price per month and they give you different features that you have access to but those features are constantly upgrading and improving. Demetrius and his wife Janet and their team have continued to add on features and improve the site 
constantly. They have almost daily updates. Definitely at least weekly, they practically have a big update. So there's a lot of things happening constantly that they're changing to make everything better for the user and also more complete for what it was designed for. I also want to talk about the NerdSmith Network. This one I'm going to keep briefer, but if you don't already know, I'm part of the NerdSmith Network. We are a nerdy entertainment network. We have podcasts, videos, streamers, all of that, everything. YouTube, Twitch, different podcasts. So you can find us on iTunes and Spotify and everything. And if you want to support us, you can go to nerdsmith.org donate and look at the different subscription tiers and pick the one that fits for you. Okay, and with that, let's get back into this week's topic. Okay, so cat and dog specific de-stress tips for the holidays. So number one that I have is talk to your veterinarian. A lot of people call the hospital I work at and ask us if there's drugs we can give them to give their animal because it gets stressed by X, Y, and Z. The truth is that your veterinarian cannot prescribe anything for your pet without having seen your pet within a year. There are restrictions on prescription medications for cats and dogs and other animals, just like there are for humans. So if you need something like that, if you've tried other solutions and they don't work, then talk to your veterinarian, set up an appointment, get your pet looked at, and then they'll be able to give you things that are safe for your pet that they would recommend trying. However, there are a few over-the-counter things that I know of that I'm going to talk about, and I still recommend talking to your veterinarian and checking whether or not they're right for your particular pet, but these are things that do exist, so they're things you could look into and then ask your veterinarian about. For cats specifically, especially, honestly, there are a lot of things that can stress them out during the holidays. A lot of cats don't like people that they're not familiar with. And I think most cat owners out there will agree with me that the majority of them are not huge fans of other people. There are exceptions. I happen to have two cats where when people come over, they're all over them because as far as they're concerned, it's another person that can pet them. But I also have one cat who will hide, at least initially, and then she gets used to the fact that there's people over, and then she'll sort of slowly creep out as long as it's not too loud and crazy. So those are a couple of examples. I've also had pets that just straight up hid the instant someone else came over because they wanted nothing to do with strange people they didn't know. And so there's the whole spectrum for you, but there are a couple of things that are cat-specific that you can use And honestly, there are some versions of them that are for dogs, so I'm kind of going to be talking about both at the same time. So the first thing I want to talk about is something called Feel Away. Feel Away is a pheromone spray. I think I might have mentioned it before in a previous episode, but I can't remember 100% right now. I've got 40 episodes, so I don't remember every single one and everything I said in every single one. But... The Feel Away, it's spelled F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. And the Feel Away is really useful because what it is is a synthetic version of the pheromone that cats release from their cheek scent glands. You know, the ones when they're rubbing on you and purring and marking their territory and they're all happy. That particular pheromone, which one of the doctors at the hospital I work at refers to as the warm fuzzies in a bottle, 
It can be a spray that you can spray on bedding and couches and things like that. And it doesn't really have much of a scent, so it's not something that generally affects humans too much. But the cats, a lot of them respond really well to it. There's also diffusers, which are fantastic for extended periods of time when you're worried about your animal being stressed. My husband and I used them when we combined households because he had two cats and I had three. So we, which I know is a lot of cats, but we wanted to make sure that everybody got along as well as possible. So we had feel away diffusers throughout the house. And then when we moved from one location to another, because we moved twice with all five cats, each time we took feel-away diffusers and plugged them in so that the cats had the feel-away pumping into the environment, trying to keep them calmer and make them feel a little bit less stressed. The idea behind it is basically aromatherapy, similar to when humans use lavender to calm themselves down, where it's not a medication, it's not... Well, it's a synthetic version of a pheromone, so it's technically a chemical, but it's basically it's just something that's not super, super harsh to the system, and a lot of animals respond well to it, and it's easy. You plug it in like a Glade plug-in, it lasts for a month. And I believe each of the diffusers does roughly 700 square feet. So depending on the size of the area that your pet's going to be in, you may not need too many, but you'd have to look into exactly how big a space you need to cover. But those work really well for quite a few cats. The diffusers are more expensive than the sprays, but the sprays don't last as long. The sprays you only get maybe a couple of hours before they wear off. So if you want to try it to see if your cat seems to have a response to it, I would recommend get a small thing of the spray. Try it out. See if you think it makes a difference for your pet at all. And if it does, then go get the diffuser. Unless you would just rather get all of it, which is fine too. In my experience, the majority of cats respond to it at least a little bit. And then there's just a small percentage that just have no reaction to it whatsoever. So it's just going to depend on your pet. They also, the same company also makes a version that is dog specific. The dog specific one is called Adaptil, A-D-A-P-T-I-L. I'm not as familiar with this one since obviously I work at a cat hospital, but I do know that it exists. It comes in a spray. It comes in the plugins, same as the cat one, and it's generally speaking the same idea. The dog one uses what's referred to, um, at least on the website, as dog appeasing pheromones, and they actually have one version that is for puppies because they copy the mother's one more directly, I guess. And then they also have one that's for adult cats. But they're generally the same idea. It's a pheromone that can be released with the spray or with the diffuser. And actually, I forgot earlier, but they also have collars that you can put on your pet that basically do the same thing. But it's a way to introduce those calming pheromones into the environment. For cats, it works well for things like other cat aggression or if they're sometimes if they're having issues with the potty box, depending on what the trigger is. But again, talk to your vet. For dogs, it can work sometimes with things like separation anxiety and, again, with other animal aggression, things like that. But, again, talk to your vet because what they have as options may work better and they may have different recommendations for your particular animal. However, these are things that you can put into the environment whenever you've got company over or during the holidays when everything is changing or if you take them somewhere with you you could spray the feel away or the adaptil all over the crate 
that they're going to be in, let it dry and then put them in there. And then it's in the environment for them, which will hopefully make them at least a little bit less stressed. Along the same lines, there's a product called Composure. Again, talk to your vet first, especially if your animal has any type of food allergy. But Composure, spelled exactly like it sounds, is a treat. And that treat is full of things like calming colostrum and milk thistle and B vitamins, which are designed to just calm your pet down a little bit. It's very similar to the way that humans will drink things like chamomile tea to calm us down. It's a similar idea. It's a natural supplement, at least mostly natural. Some of it's synthesized, of course, but mostly natural supplement that you can give your pet, which will help take the edge off if they're crazy stressed about something. Now, again, talk to your vet because they may not recommend it for your particular animal or Honestly, even if you try it and it's not strong enough, you're going to have to talk to your vet because anything stronger is going to be medication and a true medication that's a prescription is going to require talking to your veterinarian and having an exam done on your pet. So the composure is a place you can start. My husband and I actually use it for our dogs. One of our dogs, the Husky Mix, is terrified of thunder absolutely terrified of it. So anytime the weather is really stormy outside, or if we know there's going to be thunder, we'll give him a composure chew to try to take the edge off and make him not quite as stressed. And it does work. Beyond the treats, there's also something you can try called a thunder shirt, ironically. And the thunder shirt depends on the animal. For some, it works really well. For others, it's kind of meh. Our husky just kind of froze up and wouldn't do anything when we tried a thunder shirt. He absolutely hated it. The idea behind it is basically that it wraps around the pet and gives the weight and compression soothing effect that some animals and humans can experience, kind of like people who like to sleep under the weighted blankets or children with autism who do better if they have like weighted vests on and things like that. It's the same idea. Basically, there are some pets where it works really well for them. There are other pets where it doesn't work at all. I know there's a couple of cats that come into the cat hospital I work at where the owner puts thunder shirts on them before she brings them in because it makes them less stressed when they come into the vet hospital, which we're totally fine with. We, we take it off to weigh the cat and then we put it back on or we'll just we always weigh them with it either way, but just to make sure things are accurate. So those are another thing you can look into. Beyond all of those, there are obviously some things you can try. If your pet loves people, absolutely loves people, loves to travel, loves to interact with people it's never met before, then obviously none of this is pertinent at all for you. But there are a lot of people out there where that's not the case. So if you have dogs that are stranger aggressive at all or anything like that then you know there's different things you could try a good rule of thumb might be just to keep them separate from the strangers as much as possible and that can look like a lot of different things Uh, my husband and I in particular we don't use our garage we park outside because it's California the weather doesn't get that crazy and the dogs basically have the garage It's set up for them. It's got their food. There's bedding. There's a crate they can sleep in. We leave the back door open into the backyard so they can come in and out as they need to to use the bathroom and everything. That's one option that works really well for us because even though they love people, they can be 
not aggressive, but overly excitable when people first come over. So putting them out there makes it so that they're calmer when we let them in to greet the new people. That's a good example. Another example I mentioned earlier, you know, I have the two, the very different cats. I have the two that love people and instantly want pets from whoever comes in. And then I have the one that wants to go hide in a corner until she decides these people are safe and then she'll come out and say hi. So it really just depends on what your cats are like, but give them spots that they can go to hide if they need to. And honestly, the same kind of goes for your dogs. If you have a dog crate, if you have a bedroom that you can leave open for them to go sleep in on their bed and just, you know, tell your guests, just leave them alone. They get stressed. They'll be fine. They might come out later. Those are the kinds of things you have as options. Another thing I would recommend looking into if you haven't got one already is some kind of baby gate for not just for children to keep them out of wherever you don't want them during the holidays, but also they work really well for pets. There's actually some on Amazon. My husband and I have one or two of them, but what they do is there's a door. There's like a gate inside the baby gate and you can open and close it or lock it. And it's one of those like child safety locks. So you, it's easy for adults to unlock it, but it's tricky for the children. So that's a way to keep that animals in and the children out. It's also a way to separate different types of animals because that particular one that we have has a smaller door inside the gate and that smaller door is roughly cat sized. So it's perfect for a household that has cats and dogs that need to be kept separate or it's perfect for a household where maybe you have a couple of big dogs that you want to keep sequestered in the back of the house, but then you've got a couple of little dogs that want to run around and interact with everybody, things like that. So those are another really great resource you can look into. And honestly, overall, for any pet that I've talked about in this episode today, if you think they're going to stress out with having people over, just let them be, give them their own room somewhere in the house where people aren't going to be going. Maybe it's your bedroom. Maybe your bedroom is a room that no one's going to have to go into. So give them a safe space where they don't feel threatened, where they feel safe, where you don't have to worry that they're going to freak out and get stressed out and have any sort of medical issues pop up or have any negative behaviors anything like that. That's honestly my number one recommendation overall is just keep that in mind and really think about what your pet likes. If you never have people over, like never, never, never. If you're one of those people who just doesn't enjoy entertaining and you usually go to someone else's house, then your pet is going to have no idea what's happening when people come over to your house. So if you happen to have someone over for the holidays this year, even though you never have before, then, you know, your particular pet, you may not know how they're going to react because you don't usually have guests. In those situations, I would recommend just be cautious and go ahead and assume that they're not going to respond well, because it's better to have those precautions in place and then not have to use them than it is to not have anything prepared and then suddenly everything's happening and your poor pet and you are stressed out to the max because things are not going well. That's no fun for you. It's no fun for your pet. It's just no fun at all. And it's not going to be fun for your guests either because they're going to see that them coming over has caused you this problem. So 
I covered a whole lot of different options in this episode. Hopefully, at least some of them will work well for you and for your particular pet. If I didn't touch on your particular pet, then I apologize. I tried to cover a pretty wide breadth. Obviously, for anyone who's listened to my podcast, you know that cats and dogs tend to be the ones I know the most about. But I threw in as much as I could about reptiles, birds, and smaller pocket pets like hamsters and rabbits. If you have any topics you want me to cover, don't forget you can email those to geekthyself at nerdsmith.org, or you can submit them to me on Twitter at amethyst underscore magic, and it's magic with a CK. You can also find me on the Nerdsmith Public Discord, which you can find a link to on our website, nerdsmith.org. You can go there and you can chat with me and any of the other creators about the shows. You can ask questions there. Sometimes, like today, for example, I asked people for topic ideas dealing with the holidays and specifically Christmas, since that's the one that's coming and got a few awesome suggestions, which I'm going to be looking into. So with that, I'll call an end to this episode, and I will talk to you next week. Please remember to check out all the other wonderful shows and productions that we have at nerdsmith.org. You can submit questions or topic suggestions to me on Twitter at amethyst underscore magic with a CK, or you can email me at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. I'll be back next week with a new and interesting topic. Until then, don't forget to geek thyself. venture through the looking glass and into fairy, you know better than to expect a normal life upon your return home. Features are changed and marked indelibly by the strange magics of that land and adhere themselves to your fate. Now the veil between the worlds is thinner than ever and only one who has journeyed to fairy and back again can help those unaware of the dangers that lurk around every corner. That someone is Alison Underland. At nerdsmith.org or wherever you download your podcasts.